Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com slash give. Good morning. My name's Stephen Baker, um, one of the pastors here. And um, we are very glad that you're here with us, whether it's your first time or your hundredth time or whatever, we're, we're just glad you're here to worship God with you. I'll be reading Luke 2, verses 8 to 10, or 8 to 20, and it's actually the passage that was already read for us together in the uh, Advent liturgy. And I'll be reading it from the King James Version, so it'll be on the screen. We don't normally use that version, but we do at Christmas time because. We're used to these words. Um, Our children, many of them, memorize the whole chapter of Luke 2 in the King James, so these words are familiar, and the the expressions, and the the language, and it's, um, so children, as you, if you're here and you, you hear this, these should be very familiar words to you. So let's read it together, Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord." And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. This is the word of the Lord. So this account is about news, good news. For everyone who will hear it, good news of, that brings great joy to all who will hear it. And so who received the news? Verse eight, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now we've seen this over and over again in years past, but I think it's good to see it again. The good news comes to shepherds. And according to human wisdom, this makes no sense, right? It makes no sense that this good news, these glad tidings, should be given to shepherds. Shepherds are low, shepherds are dirty, shepherds are nobodies. And so here we have the, literally the greatest news ever been given, ever announced, ever by anyone at any time, the greatest news in the history of the world, but it comes to men who smell like sheep and sheep dung, right? It comes to men who work with their hands. It comes to men whose job is to protect dumb sheep so that they can eat and not get eaten. 
That's all it is. Feed them and make sure no one eats them. So that's weird, right? No, actually it's not. It's actually exactly what God always does. This is just perfectly normal from God's way of dealing with us. So think about it. What was Moses doing when God appeared to him? Keeping sheep. His, his father-in-law's sheep, they weren't even his own, right? Moses is out in the wilderness keeping sheep and God appears to him. What is uh, Gideon doing when God appears to him? Threshing wheat. Mundane, everyday kind of boring, mundane work. What is Peter doing when, when Jesus, the Lord Jesus himself, appears to him and calls him? What is, Jesus, what is Peter doing? Fishing. And not, um, you know, we think fishing, we think, you know, get out your line and get out your Mountain Dew and... No, he's working. He's not playing when he's fishing, right? He's, a, he's working. James 2, verse 5 says, Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? This is what God always does. He, he always comes to, to the poor, to the humble. And he raises up the poor and he brings down the, the proud. In uh, 1 Samuel 2, you have this prayer by this woman named Hannah. And Hannah is a woman who has no children and she, unlike us Americans, is sad about that fact, right? And so she prays and prays and prays that God would give her a son and God gives her a son. And she responds with this prayer uh, that's beautiful and it's very much like Mary's prayer in the book of Luke later on here where, um, or earlier on, where the angel comes and talks to Mary and says, you're gonna have a son and she does, she prays too. And it, very, it sounds very much the same. Here's what Hannah says, listen to this. This is what God is like. It says, Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Boast no, no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and with him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are shattered, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry cease to hunger. Even the barren gives birth to seven. But she who has many children languishes. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and rich. He brings low. He also exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. This is what God always does. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he set the world on them. He keeps the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth and he will give strength to his king 
and will exalt the horn of his anointed. This is what God does. He comes and he, he meets with and he appears to and he lifts up the humble. When Jesus is full grown and he's in, engaged in his ministry on this earth and he's doing his work, his cousin John the Baptist is thrown in prison by Herod waiting to be killed and this is why John is, is, is in prison waiting to be killed and he's wondering, wait a minute, is this Jesus the one? Is he the Messiah? Is it really him or someone else? And this is what it says, Matthew 11. It says, now when, John, now when John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to them, are you the expected one or should we look for someone else? And Jesus answered and said to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and what? The poor have the gospel preached to them. The poor. That's the, that's, that's the mark that, no, I'm the Messiah, all right? Yeah, miracles, but the poor have the gospel preached to them. I came to to rescue and to save. 1 Corinthians 1 says this, the Apostle Paul, think about yourself. He says, for consider your calling, brethren, that, meant that there were not many wise according to the flesh. He's speaking to us who are Christians. Think about yourself, right? There are not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. So look around. Look around at us, honestly, look around. <laughs> look at yourself. Look at, look at, Look at the guy next to you, the woman next to you. Look at, look at us. Yeah, okay, so we have a doctor. We have a retired dentist. Yes. We, we have a, a lawyer somewhere. Maybe that counts for the despised things, not the... <laughs> mm. um, we have some professors. But seriously, look around. How many of us are mighty? How many of us are noble? How many of us are high-born? Actually, we are foolish and we are weak. We work with our hands. We care for our children. We are the foolish of this world. The rich and the powerful are not beating down our doors to get our wisdom. They're not seeking us out for counsel. They're not waiting in line and trying to get us on uh, you know, NPR and CNN to interview us about what we think. If they did, it would be simply to mock us. We are the foolish of the world. We are the weak of the world, the base of the world. We are the despised. We are those who are not. The thing is, I mean, that's the fact. The thing is, though, we, uh, 
more often than not, that gives us an inferiority complex, right? We don't like the, the fact that we are the despised. We don't like this at all. We want to be the wise. We want to be the mighty. We want to be the sought after, the popular. We want to be the honored. We want to be those who are. <laughs> but in wanting to be rich and, and powerful and popular, we despise what God honors. God honors the lowly. So Psalm 138, verse six. For though the Lord is exalted, yet he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. He doesn't pay attention to them, the proud. Proverbs 16, 19, it is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. You don't want what they have. You don't. Isaiah 57 15, thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, I dwell on a high and holy place and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. And so remember this, remember this. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He has chosen the weak things of the world, the shame, the things which are strong. The base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. What do you want to be? You want to live with God? Then you can't be proud. And and more often than not, if you're rich, you're proud. Not always the case. Not always the case, I know. But more often than not. And so God draws near and regards the lowly. Don't resent that. Don't be a bounder. You don't want to be <laughs> the mighty. And so he sends his messengers with glad tidings of great joy and he sends them to shepherds. Now, who gave the news? Who are the messengers? Verse nine, and lo, the angel of the Lord, actually it should say an angel of the Lord. That's what it actually says in the Greek, not the. Um, the angel of the Lord often in the, New, in the Old Testament is actually, I believe, Jesus himself, the son of God. Uh, before he's born of Mary, he's all, he's all over the Old Testament. Uh, leading, leading the people, speaking to them, defending them. But this says, an angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. So this angel, this messenger is not some ordinary earthly messenger. When he comes, the glory of the Lord comes with him. Th there is no mistaking this, this is a, a message, a messenger from God himself. This is the spokesman of, of the Lord God Almighty. The glory of the Lord God shines around them. Heaven came down like a, like a bubble of heaven comes down and surrounds them. And they're engulfed. These weak, lowly, humble men all of a sudden are surrounded by heaven, by glory because the messenger of God is here. 
and they're so afraid it hurts, right? Sore afraid. So what, is, what, what does this messenger say to them? What's the news? Verse, verse 10. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find him wrapped in the swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so, of course, the first thing that he says is, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. (sighs) What do you mean, don't be afraid? Why not? Why shouldn't I be afraid? Why shouldn't we be afraid? You know, we're sitting here in the middle of the night, pitch black, and this being appears out of nowhere. And the weirdest, brightest light we've ever seen surrounds us. And you say, fear not? Yes, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Fear not, I'm not here to kill you, okay? I'm not here to kill you. That's what, that's what you would think if this angel appeared to you. I'm dead. I'm a sinner. What's, hap- what's gonna happen next? I'm, I'm, I'm dead. But he says, no, 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 no. I didn't come here to kill you. I'm not here to announce your doom. I'm here to bring you good tidings of great joy. Good tidings of great joy. So it says the shepherds were sore afraid. I love that, that, that King James-ism, you know. We don't talk like that, but boy, we get it. The shepherds were sore afraid. More literally, what it actually says there is that they were frightened with mega fear. <laughs> That's the word. Frightened with mega fear. Sounds like something Donald Trump would say. But the angel says, fear not, I bring you glad tidings of mega joy. It's the same word. Mega fear, mega joy. And this good news of great joy will be for all the people. Now, what what is the good news of great joy? Mega joy, verse 11. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. A Savior. This is good news. Uh, We need a Savior. The humble have always cried out to God to save them. The humble, not the proud. The the, The proud don't need a Savior. The humble know they need God to rescue them, to save them, to deliver them. In the Psalms alone, the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, the psalmist cries out himself, cries out to God to save him 37 times just in the book of Psalms. It's all over the place. This is what the godly do. This is what the humble do. We always cry out to God to save us. Psalm three, arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. Psalm six, return, O Lord, rescue my soul. Save me because of your loving kindness. Psalm seven, O Lord, my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all those who, pers- who pursue me and deliver me. Psalm 20, save me, O Lord. May the king answer us in the day we call. Psalm 31, make your face to shine upon your servant. Save me in your righteousness. Over and over and over again, this is what the godly do. They call out to God to save, save me, save me, save me. 
And the Old Testament prophets promised over and over again that God would save his people. That's, that's the message of the prophets, ultimately. Repent, God will save you. God will save you. Listen to this. This is Isaiah 25. And beautiful, beautiful uh, promise of salvation. He says this, the Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow and refined, refined aged wine. And on this mountain, he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces and he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken and, he, and it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God for whom we have waited that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. It's the same thing the, the angel said. Isaiah 35, again, another promise of, just get the flavor of this promise all over the prophets. And here's, again, Isaiah 35, he says this. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. That's what the angel said. Take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. He's coming with wrath and judgment, but he's gonna save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped and the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah, the desert. The scorched land will become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, its resting place, grass becomes reeds and rushes. A highway will be there, a roadway. And it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way and, who, and fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there, nor will any vicious beast go up on it. Those, these will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there and the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion. With everlasting joy upon their heads, they will find gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Salvation and joy always go together, always. So we need a savior, you need a savior. Not to make you rich or powerful or popular, not to save you from your um, low self-esteem. You need to be saved from your sins. From your sins. Which is actually to say you need to be saved from God. You need to be saved from God. Because he is angry with you for your sins for your rebellion, for breaking his law over and over and over again, which we have broken his law over and over and over again. And that's ultimately what we need to be saved from. You need to be saved from the righteous, holy justice of God against you, against your sins. That's what it means to be saved from your sins. It means that to be saved from the penalty that your sins deserve. The penalty that your sins deserve is the 
eternal death and judgment in the fires of hell. That's what, it, that's what you need to be saved from. You deserve the everlasting wrath of God. And that's why we need a savior. That's why you need a savior. But listen, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior. Ah, finally. A savior. Maybe it was the same angel who had appeared, uh, who's appearing to these shepherds, who had appeared to Joseph nine months earlier, right? Joseph, the, the man who's supposed to marry Mary, and, uh, but Mary's pregnant. Remember this? And the angel comes to Joseph. He's ready to put her away and not marry her. And the angel comes and says this, Matthew 1, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what the, that's what the name Jesus means. Yahweh, Jehovah, saves Name him Jesus because he is coming to save his people from their sins. His name is Savior. That's what his name is. 1 Timothy 1.15, it's a trustworthy statement, the Apostle Paul says. It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. That's what he came for. That's his first title, Savior. And so the angel says to the shepherds, don't be afraid, I'm not here to destroy you. Even though you deserve it, I'm here to give you good tidings of great joy. A baby's been born today, this baby is a Savior. And he says more than that, verse 11. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. So when the angel says that this newborn savior is Christ, that means the savior is the Messiah. Christ in Greek, that's the New Testament, Messiah in Hebrew in the Old Testament, that mean, they mean the same thing, it's the same word that means anointed one, anointed. And so to be anointed in the Old Testament was to be set apart for a, for a special office. It meant to have oil poured on your head as a sign of God's Holy Spirit setting you apart for special work. In the Old Testament, three officers, three, three kinds of men were anointed for their office, prophets, priests, and kings. And this newborn Savior is the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, the one who fulfills all of that. He is the prophet, speaks directly from God. He is the great high priest, and he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. All of these offices in the Old Testament were shadows of him. Just little pictures of him. Now he's here. But there's more. He says he is Christ the Lord. Now there is no doubt that, of what that means. Okay? 
This means this Christ, this Messiah, this Savior is God. He's God. When the New Testament calls Jesus Lord, it is, it's drawing a direct line back to the Old Testament name of God himself, Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord. Everyone would have heard when they hear, when, when, when those shepherds heard the angels say, behold, there is born to you in the city of David a savior who is Christ, the Lord. They would have known exactly what that angel was saying. This is God in the flesh. And it only makes sense that this newborn savior would be God himself in the flesh because who else can save us from God but God? That's what we're saved from. He's saving us, remember, from the wrath of God. And who can save us from the wrath of God but God himself? And besides that, all through the Old Testament, there is only one savior, the Lord, over and over again. What makes the true and living God different from all the gods of the nations that aren't really gods, right? What makes him different is he's the savior, the only one, the only savior. Isaiah 33, for the Lord is our, ref, our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Isaiah 43, 11, the Lord himself says, I, even I, am the Lord and there is no savior besides me. So if Jesus is a savior, he's the Lord, right? He has to be. There is no savior besides him. Isaiah 45, listen to this. Gather yourselves and come, draw near together, you you fugitives of the nations. They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idol and pray to a God who cannot save. Declare and set forth your case. Indeed, let them consult together. Who has announced this from of old? Who has long since declared it? Is it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a savior. There is none except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. This is why all the nations all the nations, no matter what you're, where you're from, where you were born, what your genetics is, it doesn't matter what your culture is. There is only one savior, one. He's no more the white man's God as he is anyone else's God. He is the only God. Hosea 13.4 God says, yet I have been the Lord your God since the land of Egypt, and you were not to know any God except me, for there is no Savior besides me. And so, when the angel says, born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, of course he's the Lord. There's no one else who can save. It has to be the Lord. This is good news indeed, because... This is glad tidings of great joy for all people. A savior is born, he is Christ the Lord. The only one who can save us. The only one who has the right and the power to save us from our sins, to save you from himself. To save you from his wrath and the judgment that your sins deserve. If you'll be humble, call out to him. He will save you. And that is, that is good news of mega joy. 
But this announcement of good tidings isn't over yet. In, in God's law, a matter of truth and testimony has to be settled uh, at the mouth of two or three witnesses, right? Two or three witnesses. Just one guy can't just say something and it be considered true. Uh, two or three witnesses. But this is the good news, right? This is the, the most truthful thing that's ever been said ever. And there, so, what's it say? Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. It's like they're just waiting for their cue. As soon as that first angel gets his word out, gets his message out, then they, they're there. Suddenly, all of a sudden, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God. Not just two or three witnesses, but a number that can't be counted, a multitude. And these aren't just ordinary witnesses, they are members of the army of heaven. That's what it means when it says, a multitude of the heavenly host. The heavenly host is the army of God. So picture this. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands, a multitude that you can't count, all of a sudden surrounding them. And these aren't little cupids and, and girly angel things, right? These are members of the army of the Lord who wipe out cities in the Old Testament. And here they are standing there. They're not there to crush these shepherds and wipe them off the face of the earth. They're there to praise God. What do they say? Verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This good news of great joy is all about the glory of God. It's all about the glory of God. It, this isn't uh, peace on earth um, on our terms. This isn't peace on earth in a way that magnifies us, that glorifies us, that appeases us. This isn't peace on earth, you know, in the public television sense, you know? This is peace on earth in God's terms, which has his glory at the center of it. Let me read to you this passage from, from Ephesians 1, talking about the salvation that we have, but it's all actually about the glory of God, and this is, a, this is excellent good news for us. Let me, I'll explain why. Listen to this. Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, his good will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. That's the point. Which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to administration suitable to the fullness of the times, 
That is the summing up of all things in Christ. Things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. To the praise of the glory of his grace, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. This is, God has inseparably bound up together your salvation with his glory. Think about this. The thing that he most loves, his glory, his fame, his praise, it's only right for him to do that because he's God. And he's tied that together with your salvation, which means nothing can get in the way of him saving you. Nothing. He's not willing to share his glory. He's not willing to throw down his glory, to diminish it. And he's tied your salvation with his glory. All right? This is amazing good news. (laughs) This is wonderful good news. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Tied together. God's goodwill to men. And so no wonder the angels called this. He called this good tidings of great joy. Now, what do the shepherds do with this news? Let's just look at it quickly and see what they do. Verse 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all, that, all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds that Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And so the shepherds hear the message and then they believe it without any kind of doubt, and then they go. They drop everything, right? Hurry, come on, let's go see what the Lord has done. Not, notice this very carefully, not let's go see, let's go see whether this is true or not. Might be true, might not be true. Let's go see see if whether it's true. No, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass. It's as good as done. It's done, we know it. There's no doubt. Let's go see it. Let's do it quickly. Come on, let's go. So they came with haste, found it exactly as the angel has said to them. Mary, Joseph, the baby. And then when they had seen it with their own eyes, they couldn't help but to tell everyone that they, what they had heard and seen. So these dirty, unordained, uneducated, untrained, just normal working men become the first evangelists in the New Testament. Couldn't help it. What else are they gonna do? 
They had seen, they had heard, they had seen just exactly as God had said. So they can't help it. Let me end with this. Uh, Luke 2, this whole account, this whole record tells us about a real God who came into a real world and announced to real men this good news and this, these real men who had real crap on their sandals from the sheep, right? This is, not, this is not pretty. And who went and saw a real baby laying in a real pile of hay, whatever it was. In other words, this whole thing is about real physical things. This is not a myth. This is not a little story, spiritual lesson that we can learn nice things from. This all actually happened. Real history, real people, real sinners, real tangible flesh and blood, animals, smells, the whole thing. The multitude of the heavenly hosts sang glory to God in the highest, but they also sang peace on earth. And so believing in the Savior, believing in Christ the Lord, does not turn you into a ghost, a spirit, a vapor, uh, a disembodied soul. It doesn't destroy your body, your eyes, your ears, your taste buds, your fingertips. Jesus Christ, the Lord, took on all of that, uh, not to destroy it, but to save it to redeem it. And so Merry Christmas, for crying out loud. I mean, seriously. This is the time of year when, when, when people start, when Christians start, none of you, surely, but Christians get all crusty and thinking, oh, we shouldn't be celebrating Christmas. Well, of course we should. Glad tidings of great joy. Jesus Christ came to redeem, to save, to restore. Enjoy the goodness of all of God's creation. It's, it's, it's not cursed anymore. And enjoy all of his blessings, not as an idolater, but as a Christian. The Apostle Paul says, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with gratitude for it's sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. He says, God has created all of this to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. And here's the truth. Jesus Christ came to save the world. So, come on. Don't think like a pagan. Pagans think like stuff is bad. Christians think, like the Bible teaches us, stuff actually is good. I mean, that's, that's what the Bible teaches. This is good. This is what God said when he made it. Now, that's great news for us who believe and know the truth. But if you have not bowed your knee to our Savior, Christ the Lord, then 
all, then that's really bad news for you because all of your sins will come crashing down on your head. All of them. Everything you've ever enjoyed in this life that's good to enjoy because God made it to be enjoyed. All the stuff that you've ever enjoyed, every good gift you've received without thanking God for it, every beautiful song you've heard and enjoyed without thanking God for it, every figgy pudding you've ever tasted, every warm fire, every cozy slipper, all this wonderful stuff, every time you've enjoyed the rich and free blessings of God without thanking him, without bowing to him, without submitting to him, trusting him, obeying him, worshiping him, loving him, all of that will come back on your head on judgment day. And it'll make your guilt all the more unbearable. You've rejected him. Even though you know better, you've rejected him. So all these blessings will become ultimately curses to you if you've rejected the Savior, Christ the Lord. So turn to him. Turn to him. Turn to him. Come to him. Call out to him. You need to be saved. You need to be rescued from your sins. You need to be rescued from God. From the wrath and the judgment of God. But Behold, there is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Here he is. Come to him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, please have mercy on us and, and make, us, make us humble. Make us glad to be lowly. Make us glad to be humble. Make us humble. And bow our knees to you, our great and mighty Savior. King of glory, and give us, uh, give us the joy that, that has to go with that. I pray for those here who are, are digging in their heels, who are hardening their hearts, stiffening their necks against you, even though they hear your word all the time and, and know it to be true. Oh, Father, give them a soft heart. Give us soft hearts. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.